Good to be here and, and happy to be speaking on this topic that we're uh, looking into. And as you look at the title for this topic, I've gotten a, quite a few different looks from different people on just where is he going with this? Just my imagine or just your imagination. You might remember that song, Just My Imagination. Some people are probably too young to remember it. Um, if you're in my age range and you like old music, maybe you have listened to the Temptation and Temptations and know what that song is about. Uh, but this idea of imaginations is an interesting one that we see in Scripture. Uh, and I was just speaking with Dante before we started up here. And I said, this might not go the way that you're expecting. Sometimes titles can be very deceiving. But as you think about that song, Just My Imaginations, what is the guy doing? Maybe you don't know the words. I see some people say, <laughs> I have no idea. Andrew is probably too young. Oh, you do know? Okay. Oh, you're a music man. So. <laughs> but he's thinking about this woman, right? And he's contemplating in his mind, all of the things that could happen if he were with this woman, but it was just his imagination. It wasn't the truth. It wasn't facts. And so where this word for imagination comes into play with scripture is in Romans chapter one, verse 21. And this was the impetus for this study. And I'm going to throw you a curveball. Wow, that's very left. Uh, because the word for imagination has more of the idea of a mental dialogue that takes place of facts that have come into your mind and what happens with those facts as it goes through your mental process. So I'm going to let you know this. This word is not used positively throughout Scripture. The places where we see this word, it's mostly of negative things and has negative implications. And we're going to find out why. As we get to the end of this, you're going to see <clears throat> that this word for imaginations is not useful to the believer. And so you ask, well, why are we studying it? <laughs> well, because it's going to help you appreciate the things that we do have and that you don't have to contrive and imagine anything as far as your uh, Christian life is concerned. <coughs> Bear with me one moment. Been dealing with a slight cough here. Miss J, not COVID. <laughs> and so uh, this word for imaginations, it comes from the word dia legeo or dia legizmai. And it, it has the idea of that dia. And we've been touching on a, a, a little bit of Greek here. And Pastor Dave has kind of uh, eased you into it. I've heard a couple of people here that have utilized the Greek, and I, it hasn't been too harmful, right? You guys have been able to, to keep up, and I suspect you're going to be able to keep up here. But this word for dia has the idea of something going through. It's a preposition, through or because of. <coughs> and the word, <coughs> excuse me, legizomai has the idea of uh, something stated to another. It comes from this word lagos. It has the idea of a word. And so it has that idea of a discourse with another person. And that's where I get this bringing it together in composition, the idea of a mental discourse. And you can see how it's translated over in Romans 121 as imaginations. And it's in your notes there in the middle of the introduction. 
It says in Romans 1:21, because that when they knew God, speaking of these uh, people historically over time, you might point back to the Tower of Babel and this these things on the uh, other side of the flood where you had this opportunity to have a personal relationship with God. Now, they would see him. And we know of Enoch that he walked with God. He had a physical interaction with God. And so what was available to people at a point in time was to have personal interactions with God. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain or empty in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so you see it, not a pretty picture painted of people that had an opportunity to interact with the second person of the Godhead. Now, we could say, well, if we were there, we would have did such and such. Well, what are you doing now? <laughs> you have an opportunity to have a personal interaction with God, not a physical interaction with God necessarily, but something probably better than what they had as we can have the mind of Christ, as we're going to see later and and dialogue with him in a little bit of a better way. But they didn't take advantage of this. And so that word for imaginations that you see there, it's going to spawn off some ugly things. As we go over to that chapter, and it'll be much later in this uh, um, time that we have here together. But you're going to see that this resulted their imaginations in all kinds of debauchery. Right. There wasn't a, an appreciation from God. It says they glorified him not as God and they became vain in their imaginations. And what came out of that was homosexuality and all kinds of other works of the flesh that came from their imagination. And so rather than using this imagination for good, we see that it caused them to go into things that were very, very bad. And so down at the bottom of your introduction there, the results of a failure to recognize God for who he was and take advantage of the relationship with him led to spiritual apathy that negatively affected the mental conceptions of those addressed. As a result, we see, excuse me, I lost my place, many unrighteous works that pertain to the ungodliness or to their ungodliness ensued. This is the predominant association with this word. When we live in the flesh, our conceptions of activities usually revolves around some some activity that will satisfy the flesh and lead to sin. However, when we are spiritual, we can visualize the spiritual things and act in accordance with, with the association. Excuse me, I lost my place there once again. With this word, uh, with, uh, excuse me, this is a predominant association with this word. Uh, when we live in the flesh, uh, boy, sorry. This begins with the active and intentional mental projection of who we are in Christ. And so what we want to see when we come back to this uh, or get on from this idea of uh, the mental conception and move a little bit further and see what the believers should actually be doing is we want to look at Colossians chapter three and verse one. And Steve kind of stole some of my thunder there, because in chapter two, 
you see those believers there not necessarily using this word for imaginations, but you do see these conceptions that came from their mind and all of these things that they were trying to contrive concerning how they can, should conduct themselves. And then in chapter three, it comes and we see how the believers should actually be conducting themselves in Christ. And so you see a lot of positional truth uh, that comes forth from chapter three. And so today we want to examine what the process of mental conception looks like. And that's my word for the generally for this uh, word we see translated imaginations is mental conceptions. Your mind is going to go through a process where it's thinking things through. Thoughts come in. It takes these thoughts and kind of filters it through a process. And then you can either voice that mental conception that you have or you can keep it to yourself. And we're going to see both examples of that. Um, and this will help us to determine the concepts that can help us to be more con uh, productive in our Christian lives. And so the first thing we want to look at is the definition of mental conception or this word we see translated as imaginations. But before we do, uh, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this day, uh, grateful for the grace that you've provided to us, uh, grateful that we don't have to think up and dream up uh, ways of understanding and living in what you've provided uh, for us, that it's all there and available uh, to us. And as we will reflect on who we are in Christ, uh, that again, we don't have to make it up. Uh, the work has already been done for us uh, in your son, uh, and we need only to direct our minds properly uh, to those things that we have in him. Uh, we pray that this study uh, might be productive in, in helping us to live out this Christian life better uh, and that we would, uh, at the end of the day, be better representatives of you and bringing you the glory that you deserve. Uh, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, and so page three, we see the definition of this word. And so, uh, what's that? Okay, and so again, keep that word in mind, uh, mental conceptions. I've looked at both the noun and the verb form of this word because it's helpful. <coughs> um, the noun form of the word is dia legismas, and you see the footnote there. Uh, but my translation for the word is the result of an internal process of thought that results in a mental picture of an action or idea to be accomplished by an individual. And so you can see how that idea of imagination comes through. Um, and then the verb form, uh, the action or internally of internally processing uh, uh, through that those results or, or excuse me, that results in a mental picture of an action or idea that is to be accomplished or socialized to an individual. And so, again, when you look at a verb, you're looking at action. And so that's what this this word expresses. And we'll get into it a little bit deeper uh, here in a moment. But examples of the noun, uh, we see that the Gentiles, even when given the opportunity to personally relate to God, elected not to give him respect as God and suffered the consequences of their useless mental conceptions. And so that's the one we looked at over in Romans chapter one. In verse 21, the verbal form we see in Mark in uh, 
Mark 8, 16. And the disciples conceptualized among themselves the reasoning for the Lord's statements to them. And he was uh, uh, able to understand those conceptions. Go with me over to Mark uh, chapter 8 and verse 16. Mark chapter 8 and verse 16. Now we often see this one in the Gospels and see that the Lord uh, understands these conceptions that are going on in the minds of individuals. They'll be having a discussion over here concerning something and it's indicated in the context that the Lord is not necessarily right there listening in on what they're saying. And yet he understands or knows uh, these conceptions. Pick it up in verse uh, 14. It says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in uh, had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Now, leaven, if you don't know, has to do with a type of bread. Um, And this is very interesting in the context that he says 11 of the Pharisees and 11 of Herod. And they take from this that he's talking about bread. Uh, Apparently, uh, these concepts just flew right over their head. In verse 16, it says, and they reasoned. And here's our word reasoned among themselves, saying it is because we have no bread. And Jesus knew it uh, when Jesus knew it. He saith unto them, why reason, there's our word again, ye, because you have no bread. Perceive ye not, uh, yet neither understand, uh, have, have, ye, have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes see ye not, and having ears hear ye not? Or do you not remember, when I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets of fragments took ye up? They said unto him, twelve. And so he's basically slapping them upside the head, as it were, and saying, you knuckleheads, do you not understand that I have the power to make bread if I need to? I have the power to do anything. I am God. And they did not understand this. And yet, uh, what is is getting by them here? They were conceptualizing in their mind that what he was telling them had to do with bread. And it had nothing to do with bread at all. It had to do with the uh, deportment and activities of the Pharisees. And so that gives you a little bit of a flavor there. We'll, we'll give it a little bit uh, more um, uh, touch here in a moment. Now, as you look at your, and let me get my, uh, there we go. As you look at the pictures that I have up here for you, I want to get to this one. <coughs> And we'll look at this process in a moment, but I just wanted to touch on it here. You see a thought process or thoughts that enter your um, thoughts that enter your mind. The overall process is dianoia. And that's speaking of the process of thoughts flowing through your mind. Uh, And we see this in different places throughout Scripture. Now, this word for thoughts that we see in thumesis. And I gave you a, a, a little picture of an individual. Now, as thoughts enter your mind, they usually relate to your senses, correct? And things that you want to do. And so things that you see, and you might not be able to see this back here. John uh, 
<laughs> told me that I, I wrote definitely too small on some of these. Uh, but there are pictures uh, back there at the back if you want to grab those to be able to see it a little bit more clearly. But your thoughts attain to things that you see, smell, taste, hear, uh, touch. And so this all has to do with these thoughts that enter into your mind. Now, as you get into imaginations, you start thinking about how the mind is taking those individual thoughts and making a mental picture or organizing. Uh, we see it through this process of sin that we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute that plays out in James, right? Uh, and the pastor impressed this upon my mind uh, early on when we started talking about the process of sin. Uh, the example that he gave was what if someone left a dollar or, a, well, dollar is not much these days, but <laughs> maybe they left $20 on the table in the room. Still probably not much, but it might be a little bit more of a temptation to you. And you think about this and the thought comes to your mind. Let me take that $20 and put it in my pocket. Uh, now, as we know, through the process of sin, you haven't sinned yet. Right. You just had a thought that enters into your mind. Now, where I'm going to deviate here is to look at this in the process of mental conception. Now, you're playing this out in your mind and visualizing they're going to be gone for a period of time. They're not going to come back. They don't even know that they dropped this $20. I'm going to take it and put it in my pocket. And I know none of you guys in this room would ever do anything like that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so to give you a picture. And so you could take that $20 and put it in your pocket or you could not. But here's where this process stops. You've conceived in your mind what you would like to do with that money if you had the opportunity. Uh, and so we'll get into that a little bit deeper again here in a moment. Well, right now, <laughs> go with me over to James chapter one and verse 14. And we see kind of the steps that lead up to this this process of thought. James chapter one. And verse 14. Now, temptation, uh, a temptation uh, takes place that draws the individual away in the process. There are many thoughts that come to your mind uh, that you just have no desire to do anything with relationship to those thoughts. You might be watching something on TV and you think think about something for a second and then uh, it's out of your mind and gone. But there are some uh, that stick a little bit more, as it were, uh, with those thoughts. Pick it up in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord uh, hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, this uh, brings back memories. Uh, I don't know if they're fond memories or, or hard memories. Dante's going through this probably now and Pascal there in seminary. But I remember one of the first projects we had to do was to make up a chart with regard to this process of sin. And so what I did is I made a little graphic of, of a fishing lure, right? If you dangle that little lure out in the water long enough, some fish might be interested in what's on that lure and they might swim along to that lure and bite it. Right. 
And so you think of it the same way with us. There's a lot of temptations that are out there to lure individuals. There's all kinds of stuff that you see on television that you hear from people or that you see within the world that could tempt an individual. But all of them don't tempt us individually. There are some, though, that are perfect for us individually, and we get drawn away and enticed by that individual thought. I would submit to you that this process of mental conception really can't start until something uh, gets to your mind that, that attracts you to it. <coughs> and that's why I utilize uh, this, this context of scripture. And so we see that a temptation takes place when one is drawn away and enticed by a lust. The temptation is a process that uh, matures to a thought. And the process uh, continues with mental discourse. And so in your mind, as we just talked about with that $20, you're playing out the scenarios and saying, how could this happen? How would I individualize this thought that's in my mind or this uh, desire that I have uh, to do something? Now, the process is completed uh, uh, with a mental concept. And so, uh, wait, keep skipping past my note here. In the second hour, I'm going to get a hard copy of those notes and work off of that. But the process continues here uh, with this, this mental conception. Now, the concept still resides in the mind of an individual, and it is not uh, matured to the place where you're ready to socialize it. Uh, the concept can be acted on or it cannot be acted on. And so there's a lot of things in your mind, and going back to this example of the $20, uh, that you can actually go through with or you can just keep it there in your mind. And so if this was a lust in your mind of something that you desired to do, what do we know that you need in order to carry out a sin? You need opportunity and you need to go ahead and carry it out. Uh, this concept might just remain in your mind as something you're not doing. Maybe the person came back in the room and you said, well, <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> God saved me from sinning there. I'm not going to take the $20. And so that's just an, an example of how this could play out in the mind of the believer. Now, what are the elements of this, this process of um, mental conception? We see that there is a very real relationship in most of these verses that you're going to come to with this word that relate to the heart. And so what is the heart? Anybody that's been through the Bible uh, Institute classes, does anyone remember what is the heart comprised of? I'm just giving you a chance to let me drink more water. <laughs> Damn. Basically, the seat of the mind, emotions, and will. Someone actually mentioned that earlier. I think maybe Dave or somebody. Oh, there you go. Well, I guess every, everyone, uh, Dan was the only one that was listening <laughs> during that time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and so the composition of the heart, Dan hit it right on the head. It is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And you see this word for mental conception relating very directly with those things. And we know the will of the individual is a place where desires enter and determinations are made. And so for an individual, you can desire to do something and yet not determined to do it, right? We know that this is true with God uh, as well. For the emotions, the soul is the interpretive mechanism for the emotions. 
And so we hear the soul talked about all the time. We know men is made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. This soul is the interpretive mechanism for your emotions. It tells you you are feeling this or you are feeling that. The flesh is the body's connection to the soul. And the emotions are expressed through your senses. And so we see these uh, five uh, senses up here uh, that are spoken of. Now, as to the mind... We see that your mind is a mechanism for utilized uh, rationalization. And so you're going to be able to make sense of things that are happening uh, through your mind. We know that the spirit is a component of the mind. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. And I'm going to go back a little bit in the context because there's a lot of good things stated that really hit upon and, and give uh, more of a flavor to this idea of the mind and how useful it is to the believer. But in verse 17, he says this, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the uselessness of their minds. Now, he paints a picture here. And uh, again, don't get too puffed up in of yourself that you're a believer and you have this mind, as we're going to see, the mind of Christ. Because we used to have this same mind that the unsaved people had. And we had no ability to act uh, any better than they did. And if not for the grace of God provided to us, we would be in this same position. And so he says, you no more, no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the uselessness of their mind. And so you see a strong contrast to how their mind is used and how the mind of the believer is able to be used. <coughs> in verse 18, <clears throat> having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, being uh, uh, because of the blindness of their heart. And really, that word for blindness is the word for hardness. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Now, if you look at these words, it sounds very similar to what's stated about these people in Romans chapter one. You see, as they turn their minds and their thoughts and this mental conception that they had within their head turned to one place that I don't need God and I'm not going to glorify God. I can do this on my own. What do you see are the results? They're very similar to what you read here. And we'll we'll get into that later. Uh, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But contrast there. You have not so learned Christ or you have not learned Christ in this manner. You've learned Christ in a different way. Verse 21, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. Now, you guys often see me in suits, but you don't often see me in ties. Right? Florida is a little warm <laughs> to be wearing full ties and jackets, so. This might be the last time you see me in a full suit for a while. <laughs> but 
But as you think about this idea of putting off and putting on, everybody, I'm looking at you, put on clothes this morning, right? You put on garments. No one even thought or conceived, in our words, in their mind to walk out of the house without clothes on. You put on clothes. And that's the word here that we see for this idea of putting off and putting on. You put it on as an outer garment. When you direct your mind to who you are in Christ and you're able to live as who you are in Christ, who is clothing you? What do people see on the outside? They're no longer seeing you individually. They're seeing who you are in Christ because you have put him on. And so that's the idea that we see here. Uh, verse uh, 22, that you put off uh, concerning the former conversation. Nope, I read that one. Verse 23, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind. So this idea of, of being renewed or living in the renewedness of your mind is a big one. We see it over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where we'll, we'll go later. And this idea that when you believe the facts of the gospel, and God did a work in you. You no longer have that old mind that you, you had. You actually have a new mind and had access to a new reality in Christ. And so we say renewing or you see renew, uh, renewing in scripture, but it's actually actually the renewedness. It's happened. It's a fact for you. The only thing left to do is for you to walk in it. And hopefully uh, we're, we're all taking advantage of that opportunity in verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God was created in righteousness and true holiness. And so this idea of a, a renewed mind, uh, we've been renewed in the uh, uh, by the spirit belonging to our mind. And the last thing we see is that the place uh, is associated or this place is associated uh, also with mental conception. And so you see uh, heavily the mind is is very involved in mental conception. Now, let's look at some of these verses where the heart and mental conception uh, are seen together. Uh, and where are we supposed to stop at 1055? I'll turn to uh, while we're getting that information to Matthew 15, 19. 11. 11. OK, 15 minutes. Matthew 15, 19. And let's go back just a little bit. Pick it up in, uh, in verse 10. And he says there, And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that that which goeth into the mouth defiles a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defiles a man. <coughs> uh, then verse 12 then uh, came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. Uh, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if any, excuse me, if the blind lead the blind, both shall all uh, fall into a ditch. <clears throat> Or both shall fall into a ditch. I have a word there that uh, scratched off of my page. 
in verse uh, 15. Then answered Peter and said unto them, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Verse uh, 17. Do you, uh, do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth at the mouth goeth into the belly, and it is cast out into the drop? But those things which proceedeth out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and, and that, or excuse me, and they defile the man. Verse 19, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but eat with unwashing hands or to eat with unwashing hands does not defile the man. And so you understand here and see uh, these mental conceptions and how they can affect an individual. Uh, you see these thoughts or these actions that can come out from thoughts that are uh, in the mind uh, and the, the result of, of these thoughts seen. And a similar uh, uh, thing is seen over in verse uh, uh, Mark 7:21. <clears throat> so we won't go there. But you see uh, out from the heart again there, the mind, the will and emotions. And so as you're looking at any of these actions, and things that people are intending to do, they're definitely going to affect a person in a way that I have the mind that I want to do this thing. I have the will that I decide or determine to do this thing. And then I have the uh, uh, emotions where this affects me in enough of a way that it's, it benefits me to do it. Uh, and so these are all tied in together. We also see over in Luke chapter 2 and verse 35, the work of Jesus was prophesied to reveal uh, the conceptions of the hearts of many. Go with me over to Luke chapter 2 and verse 35. And... Pick it up in verse 30, I believe. Yeah, we could go back a little further. Pick it up in verse uh, 27. <clears throat> and it says there, and he came uh, by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Je Jesus to do uh, for him after the custom of the law, then uh, took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou, thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen the, thy salvation, which thou uh, have prepared before the face of all, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto his mother Mary, Behold, this child is set for a fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign uh, which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through his, soul, his own soul that the thoughts, or there is our word for mental conceptions, of many uh, hearts may be revealed. And so you see this idea here uh, again of, of the mental conceptions of many uh, being revealed through this uh, birth of Jesus. Now, over in Luke chapter five and verse 22, we see Jesus was able to know uh, what the scribes and Pharisees were mentally conceiving in their hearts. Now, 
you often see these scribes and Pharisees plotting and talking together of different things that they want to do uh, to the Lord or different disagreements they have with things that he was saying. Uh, and I believe this here and we'll we'll get into this in a minute. Uh, you, you have thoughts, again, that start off in the mind of the individual. And so these conceptions come forth within an individual mind. And then you can speak these thoughts to others and you can get on the same accord with what you're thinking. And I think that's what happened with these scribes and Pharisees many times. It started off in their mind. I'm thinking this and you might do it in your own personal relationships with individuals. Right. Uh, or in your marriages, uh, the husband and the wife. Many times I'm thinking something and I need a second opinion on it. I bounce it off of Darlene and she gives me a better opinion than what I was thinking. Right. And that's how it works. She says, yes, <laughs> it shakes her head. Uh, yes. But you see that. Um, and here it's it's the bringing together of all of these individual thoughts and getting on the same page with a direction with where they were going to go against the against the Lord. But in Luke chapter five and verse 22, let's pick it up in. Pick it up in verse 18, he says, and behold, <clears throat> men brought in uh, a bed in, in a bed, a man uh, which was taken with a palsy and they thought means uh, to bring him in and lay him, uh, lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst uh, before Jesus. In verse 20, and when he saw uh, their faith, he said unto the man, thy sins are forgiven of thee. Now, this is one statement often made by the Lord, right? And they never react well to it. What do they say? They said, he says he's, he can forgive sins. Who can say that but God? Well, <laughs> did you answer your own question there? In verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. And there's our word uh, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so you see these thoughts in their minds, the wheel, wheels turning. Who does this guy think that he is? Who does he think he's supposed to be? And the wheels are turning there and they understand the fact that only God can forgive sins. And this should have been able to easily be put together for them and say, well, one plus one equals two. This guy is God. <laughs> he said that your sins are forgiven of you and the guy was healed. But they weren't able to do that. Uh, and you see this uh, misfire by them many times. Uh, also over in Luke chapter uh, 9 and verse 46, we see Jesus was able to know what the disciples were mentally conceiving uh, in their hearts concerning the kingdom. Now, <clears throat> of course, we know the disciples being somewhat of knuckleheads and not having the right thoughts concerning uh, the kingdom all the time. And, and here certainly uh, wanting to see I'm going to be greater. Or this person's going to be greater. And these are the kind of uh, mental conceptions that were going on in their head. And the Lord understood what they were thinking. Pick it up in verse 33 of Luke chapter nine. And we see it says, and they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, everyone at all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, let these things sink down into your ears, 
for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them uh, that they perceived it not, and they feared uh, to ask him of that. Uh, in verse 46, then there arose a reasoning, and here's our word again, uh, among them, which of them should be the greatest? And so this mental, again, dialogue going on inside the minds of the individuals, but being expressed to each other. So it would be like if we all the speakers here at this conference were just dialoguing concerning their individual papers. And then we came together and said, well, I think my paper was greater than yours. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what me and the pastor do all the time. <laughs> we're not, around. <laughs> not at all. Uh, but this idea here. My paper was better than yours. No, no, my paper was better than yours. And you thought in your mind all of the reasons why your paper was better. And you present that discourse to other individuals. That's the picture of what's going on here with these disciples. And so they're thinking, well, I've done this and this and this. So I'm going to be greater in the kingdom. And this other guy is saying, well, (laughs) I'm Peter. I speak for the rest of the disciples. I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And this is going back and forth in verse 47. And Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, same word, uh, of their heart, took a child and set him by them, by him and said unto them, whosoever shall uh, receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever whosoever receiveth me receiveth him that sent me, for he is the least uh, among you all. Uh, he that is the least among you all, the same shall be great. <coughs> Excuse me. And so you see this idea expressed here. And lastly, over in uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 38, we see Jesus was able to know the disciples were conceiving trouble in their hearts. Luke chapter 24 and verse 38. And pick it up in verse 36. <clears throat> and he says there, and as uh, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, peace be unto you. But they were ter- terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Now, this being after the Lord's resurrection here and he appears to them. And it tells you something about the the appearance of the Lord post his resurrection. They, they thought this was a spirit um, and certainly uh, not understanding and remembering the things said about the resurrection. This had some effect on them, too. In verse 38, and he said unto them, why are you troubled and why are your or do your thoughts or do thoughts, excuse me, arise in your hearts? Now, this word for thoughts is conceptions. And you can see it here very clearly. As they're looking at him resurrected, they're thinking through all the possibilities of what this could be and making mental projections in their mind concerning what is this? And hopefully the thoughts of what the Lord had told them while he was here on this earth came back and played in their mind at that point. But I don't think so, because the Lord has to ask them, why are you reasoning these different things in your hearts? Or why are these different mental conceptions uh, coming to your heart? And so we see this again in uh, the use of the word heart relating to it as well. 
Now, the last one we want to look at before we move on to our next portion, and I don't want to cut you guys short on your break time, so I'll try to be fast with this piece. Uh, but the other considerations with regards to mental conceptions, mental conceptions take place <coughs> at, at the part of the heart or the broader thought process of the heart. And so this word for dianoia uh, that we see there down at the bottom, this overall thought process of the individual. And as you look at the mental con uh, conceptions of an individual, it's part of an overall thought process that's going on in your head. Uh, and then uh, mental conceptions are affected by the believer's frame of mind. Now, as we we're going to get to this a little bit later, and you guys often hear us say, frame your mind on things above. And no one has come up to me yet and said, what does that mean? <laughs> so I'm taking it that you guys all understand what that means. But as you think about who you are in Christ and think of this idea of framing your mind, what occupies and dominates your thought processes? We're not going to be able to necessarily say, hmm, my mind is on who I am in Christ. People come up and talk to you. I can't talk to you. My mind is on who I am in Christ. You're still having to interact and, and uh, talk to people and do different things in this life. But the predominance of your mind and thought process should be on who you are in Christ. And it's kind of the idea of an iterative, iterative I can't say that word, iterative, eh, slow down, I can do it, thing where it, at different points in time, it occurs to your mind that I'm in Christ, right? And we're all there. We're going to go there a little bit later, so I don't want to mess it up here. Uh, and the last one that we look at is uh, mental conceptions take place in the mind. Remember, we looked at this word for mind. It's the word for noose. Go, go with me really quickly before we close out uh, to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Now, I often mess with our people that uh, attend Grace Bible and say, we've been to this scripture so many times that you should be able to state it by heart. Who's ready? You know, no volunteers. OK, maybe, maybe next time. Next time I'm going to call on somebody. <laughs> Michael says you do it and you die. <laughs> Verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And remember that reasonable service has the idea of a, a logical priestly service. It makes sense to do this because you are uh, 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 what you've been given in Christ and you're doing it, as Pastor Dave pointed out in his first session, as a spiritual sacrifice unto God because you are a priest. In verse two, and stop being conformed to this age. That word for world is age, but be transformed by the renewedness of your mind or belonging to your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so you see there that renewedness belonging to your mind. Mental conceptions take place here. Now, when we come back in our next session, we're going to look at this action of mental dialogue that takes place in your mind that arrives you uh, at this mental conception.